it's Joelle and Sean, co-founders of Desair, and you're listening to Insights with Experts, our podcast where we interview different experts across a breadth of various industries, with years of experience under their belts, and we try to explore their perspective on their industry, and learn a little more about their journey, so that hopefully you too can cast a new light on your own journey. here today we have Mr. Nick Lee, a former aerospace engineering student at the Nanyang Technological University of Singapore. Nick, it is absolutely wonderful to have you here today. How are you? I'm great, I'm great. Awesome. Right, Nick, so just to start off with, how about we just get a little insight. What does the average day in the life of an aerospace engineering student actually look like? So I would say that the daily life of two aerospace engineering students can be vastly different from each other. So depending on what you would like to achieve out of your college education. Uh, so for myself, I begin college with the goal of developing my technical skills. Therefore, besides the usual attending of lectures and tutorials, uh, most of my time after lessons are usually spent working on projects. Uh, so I'll be in the lab most of the time. And this is so that I could pick up skills to complement what I learned during my coursework. And it doesn't really sound that fancy or rosy, but uh, most of the remaining time that I have left, I usually spend catching up with lectures or just completing my tutorials. Yeah, yeah nice. Um, so I also, I was wondering, you know, um, what, what kind of thing inspired you to, to pursue, um, you know, aerospace engineering and, and particularly uh, space exploration? So, for myself, it wasn't exactly a particular event that made me interested in space, but rather it was like a series of things that happened which led me to making a decision to take aerospace engineering. And so most people have their own idea or definition of what constitutes a fulfillment. And to most, making a difference would most probably be one of them. And a couple of years back, I read a book uh, and an example from the book really struck me really hard and it mentioned that you know if we were to look back in the year 1975 I believe uh, if you wanted to join an industry that would greatly improve the lives of uh, people or even mankind uh, you would have joined the computer revolution and if you look out there today uh, you know we have individuals uh, from that generation such as Bill Gates, uh, Eric Schmidt and Vinod Kosla uh, these people led companies that greatly influenced the way we lead our lives today and because they were born at this period of time where they could take advantage of the opportunities uh, when the transformation happened during that period. So uh, moving forward, I decided to kind of think of the different areas which uh, would be my generation equivalent of the computer revolution and after sitting down to consider all of the different alternatives, uh, I realized that space was one of them, which I identified. And I soon find myself uh, reading more about the domain and hearing those uh, uh, grand plans uh, about the future of humanity in space from individuals like you know Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. And that really inspired me uh, to be uh, to, to want to work hard to contribute to the mission that they, they listed out in, in, their, in their grand plans. And um, this allowed me to also combine my interest in space and what I'm relatively better at, and that was engineering. And you know, one thing led to the other, and right now I'm where I am. Yeah, uh, and if there's one thing that we've really learned from our past few talks, 
is that the most successful people have followed what they really genuinely like and from what it really looks like Nick you actually really like sort of this whole aerospace engineering field which is really nice to hear now Nick my next question for you is on your entire journey you know from when you were in school to when you actually started university to when you were doing all these you know work experience things what were the biggest you know challenges that you actually you know came across so uh, I did think about this question for a while uh, through like the past few months in my life actually since you know I, I've just entered college and I believe that most people would address this issue with a more extrinsic point of view such as you know certain policies of the, the country access to opportunities and like where they were born uh, access to fundings etc and I, I think there are plenty of such uh, opinions online but um, there are a lot of things that are interconnected and I don't feel like I have enough understanding of things from a macro view to give an objective judgment. So maybe I would address this point from a more uh, intrinsic perspective. And for me, one of really my, my largest obstacles was definitely uh, the constant self-doubt. So like while I've been interested in space, I, I didn't really have that self-efficacy or the belief in my own abilities to think that I could make a huge difference in this field and back then there wasn't as much uh, discussion about space as compared to what we see today you know with the successes of SpaceX and uh, different companies and that led to the impression that you know if I wanted to do something by myself I had to be the best engineer out there I had to understand everything about the different systems in order to get something going and like this mindset isn't sustainable because as you know there's always someone who'll be better than you and this fear kind of crippled me from doing anything throughout the first few years of my university as I kept thinking that I, I wasn't good enough to be doing anything. But like how I managed to overcome this or how uh, things worked out for me is that I was fortunate enough to meet a group of uh, really passionate individuals when I volunteered at this uh, company called uh, Equitorial Space Systems. Uh, previously was known as uh, Equitorial Space Industries. And what I realized uh, was that um, there were in fact a, a small group of decentralized youths who were interested in space and they were brought together by the company, uh, the, the mission of the company. And through my time there, I learned that, I, I learned the beauty of like, you know, having a passionate group of people working together, you know, as everyone would seem to complement each other uh, by bringing their own strengths to a team. And this allowed the team to achieve something that's greater than themselves. So for instance, I'm an aerospace engineer. I do not know anything. I, I, don't know that much about electrical engineering or even uh, computer science, but there are other people who are able, uh, there are other people from electrical engineering or computer science who could bring their capabilities to the team. And soon like that gave me more uh, self-efficacy to be confident. And it made me think that, you know, as a collective, uh, we could be able to get something done. And that led me uh, to creating a local chapter of the Students for the Exploration and Development of Space, SEDS, in Singapore. And because this, I wanted to extend this empowering effect to others too. And um, I felt that what you guys are doing with this platform also provides a network and would similarly enable many people to overcome this challenge that I had. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, um, I, I actually really like that you brought that up. And I think it's definitely a key thing and, and often overlooked, actually. Um, the next question is, is actually very uh, relatable for me. So 
um, I'm quite confused myself. You know,、uh, I have lots of, of interests, so sometimes it's hard to partake. You know, one interest in particular to follow through with.、Um, so I was wondering, what sort of other areas were you also interested in, and what kind of made you end up in in the in space exploration and aero aerospace engineering path that you followed? Yeah, so I still do have a lot of interests,、uh, and in fact, recently I was really interested in prosthesis and you know biomechatronics, and because I, I felt like that was an、uh, that was an area that was、uh, where there's very little discussion, and yet the advance the advancement in the areas has been astonishing.、Um, but like you know, putting that aside,、uh, there's one thing I would like to raise about space exploration、uh, that most people don't really know is that space is very very diverse. So, just taking a look at the STEM aspect of space,、uh, so STEMs,、uh, science, technology, engineering, and math,、uh, the skills required、uh, from engaging space-related work is extremely transferable. So,、uh, the rigor due to the operational conditions in space, uh, uh, the in space hardware, often calls for requirements and standards、uh, that are of factors higher than other fields of engineering. Therefore, even if someone who、uh, Eventually, ends up venturing into another field that is not、uh, space related. Their experience in this field would be able to help them in that field too. And people also do have this、uh, misguided,、uh, misguided opinion that space is all about astronautical engineering, but it's way more than that. So there are other areas such as、uh, space law, space policy, and you know other areas such as financing of space companies or insuring of space-based assets. And many of these、uh, essential areas are often overshadowed by the the grand engineering side of things, and this is one of the areas that we we are also trying to address、uh, with our, our sets chapter in Singapore today. So we recently started off with a space policy unit to better engage not just the STEM majors but also everyone else who un、uh, kind of engage with, with the space industry, because you know space is a domain that would affect everyone, and not just the engineers or scientists and. So、um, I just think that you know one thing to note is、uh, like I knew from the start that no matter what I did, whether I end up being an engineer or、uh, venturing into a, a field that is non-engineering, I would somehow be beneficial、uh, beneficial to space exploration. I would argue that it's not just with you know science, engineering, math, and so on. I would say that it's with literally all fields. I mean, you know, if we even look at school, why do we play multiple sports? Why do we learn multiple subjects? It's it's because things you learn in one subject are gonna help you in all of these these other things, right? So, Nick, my next question for you is, you know, again, so I asked you on your journey, what were the ch- challenges that you faced? Now, along your journey, what were the skills? What are the key, you know? Characteristics that you really think a student should have if they want to actually succeed in this field. So I think the the, the most important one I would say would be okay as an engineer would be to the ability to understand and work across domains. So I I felt like everyone who graduated with the same major as me probably would have the same skill set as I do because they had the same experience throughout their their university education. So bringing the Additional perspective from another field would help you be a better team player as you bring something different to the team. And like no problem today is a single major problem, and the ability for you to see across domains will enable you to connect the dots to problems、uh, much easily,、uh, much much better. Yeah.、Uh, another one would be the ability or.、Um, 
to to have a long term thinking. So today the world is really really changing very fast, and it's only going to get faster and faster. And I feel that many people today are just looking at what's present today, and they are making decisions based on that. Even though uh, you know they will only graduate four years later uh, for for these new freshmen who are coming in this year, yeah. And and many things could change within these four years. So the ability to think about what's important in the next few decades, where you know you are in the most productive periods of your life, and to position yourself, uh, position and orientate yourself to work towards that direction. Uh, I wouldn't say this skill is uh, is uh, that necessary, but it would be great for uh, future engineers to have. And the last one um, is more of like a personal opinion. I would say uh, it will be connecting with uh, co- connecting and communicating with people of uh, varying uh, power distance. So, uh, as an engineer, uh, engineering student, you know, most likely communication isn't something that is of a high importance in, in your curriculum, uh, as compared to say like a business or you know, a business student. Uh, and yeah, there might be modules teaching us communication or group projects along the way, but I felt that these domains were rather structured uh, and provided like a comfortable situation for the student. So an example of like an uncomfortable domain was uh, would be um, an instance of communicating with someone who's a CEO of a company, and I think that's a uh, something that's a situation where there's a large power gap uh, between. You as an individual and the CEO of the company. So for myself, I didn't place that much emphasis uh, on such skills in my uh, freshman and sophomore years, and because I, I felt like at that point I wanted to get a good grasp on my technical knowledge, as uh, I felt that that was more important to me. But uh, after starting the the club which I mentioned, uh, I soon found myself like having to reply to emails, asking for assistance, you know, requesting, uh, you know, very influential people for funds and etc. And all these various interaction commands a different sort of uh, communicating style and skill set, and that really comes with practice, and not you know from group projects where you're just communicating with your fellow friends who you are already close to. Yeah, yeah, I think that's um, those are some great points. I think um, looking across domains and, and looking ahead is definitely something that's really important. And then I'm really glad that you brought up communication because I think that's often very overlooked, actually. And it's actually one of the skills that can really like get you quite far because if you can sort of communicate well, you know, your network makes a very big difference. Um, so the uh, the last um, question that we have for you um, is. What is one piece of advice that you'd give, you know, for for the youth? So, I I think for this type of questions, it's best not to sugarcoat things. So I'm just gonna be like very blunt over here. Um, I think that uh, many youth have to understand that you know things are going to be tough. Uh, you know, there will be days where you where things really don't go your way, and there will be days where you feel like giving up. And there will also be days, you know, where people around you won't even care that you're going to have a bad day, and that's really just the reality that you have to acknowledge uh, moving forward. And but on those days, uh, just look back to the days where you know you are struggling and you, you manage to overcome the obstacle that you are facing, and when you really put in the hard work and the time to grind and make things happen, I believe that those uh, 
fond memories to kind of help you through the toughest time because if you have gone through something tough once that you thought that you should have given up but you didn't what's stopping you from having the same mentality when experiencing another obstacle in, in your life and and with those memories uh, I think it's, it's very important to remember to be kind uh, just understand that everybody you meet right now is kind of struggling internally no matter how they might look on the outside so uh, it's easy to forget how fortunate you are and it's easy to forget about it when you are struggling um, but the fact that you know the ability uh, you, you have the ability to you know listen or read this uh, interview that we are having and by having the ability to do that, you are already more fortunate than 50% of the world's population who still lack basic internet access. And, you know, nobody should be resigned to such circumstances, you know, when we all possess the ability to make things uh, better in the future. Awesome, man. I think that's a really nice thing to say. That's awesome. Um, Nick, thank you very much for this entire interview. Uh, I can tell you that the people watching will 100% learn a lot. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, Nick. It's been great. It's yeah, it's yeah, been really fun. Thank you. Right, everyone. This has been insights with experts. Uh, please let us know the experts that you would like to hear from next, and some of the questions that you may have for them. And thank you very much for listening. Thanks so much for listening in. This podcast has been brought to you by Desera a platform to foster discussion for youth by youth. Be sure to go ahead and check it out at desair.org, and you can send us any feedback you might have at hello at desair.org too.